You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rouse Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good morning. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Farrell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a lacking, baby? What's crack a lacking? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rowe Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. The U.S. and South Korea have decided to eliminate their large-scale military exercises. Officials say the decision announced this weekend is intended to support diplomacy on the Korean Peninsula. The exercises are to be replaced with smaller drills. The move follows President Trump's second summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The meeting was cut short without an agreement on the North's nuclear program. NASA spokesperson Gary Jordan says the docking at the International Space Station of a capsule developed by the private company SpaceX represents a new frontier for space travel. Good vibes in here. The beginning, really, of a new era of human spaceflight. This is like the first step until we start having commercial crew providers uh, bringing humans to the International Space Station launching from American soil once again. Very exciting time. This morning's docking at the orbiting outpost was part of a dress rehearsal for sending astronauts into space from U.S. soil for the first time since the space shuttle program was retired. ISS crew members are preparing to open the capsule's hatch right now. 29 Central American families that were separated from their children and then deported have been allowed back into the United States. James Frederick reports from Mexicali, Mexico. It's the next step in a long journey for them to be reunited with their children. Amid tears and hugs, the last of the 29 families were allowed into the U.S. after nearly 12 hours of waiting while lawyers negotiated with Customs and Border Protection. 
Lawyers and advocates for these families claim they were denied their right to request asylum, and many were tricked into deportation while their children were taken from them. Some haven't seen their kids in over a year, but they aren't reunited yet, and there's no guarantee they'll be able to stay in the U.S. They go into the custody of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which decides in each case whether they will be released quickly or detained indefinitely while their asylum case is processed. For NPR News, I'm James Frederick in Mexicali, Mexico. Georgia Congressman John Lewis will lead crowds across Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama today. Cheryl Wheeler-Stewart of member station WBHM reports it's the same bridge where Lewis and other activists were beaten in 1965 as they marched for voting rights. John Lewis was in his 20s when he first tried to cross Selma's historic bridge on Bloody Sunday. He returns to march with fellow members of Congress, leaders from across Alabama and around the country. Lewis says... He's seen changes in his home state, but change is still needed throughout the country. I'm very proud to see the distance we've come and the progress we've made in laying down the burden of race, moving closer to the beloved community. That's what the movement was all about, to redeem the soul of America. The large bipartisan group from Congress includes about a dozen freshman members. Before the trip to Selma, the group visited civil rights sites in Birmingham and Montgomery. For NPR News, I'm Cheryl Wheeler-Stewart in Birmingham. This is NPR. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Coming up next on the serious side. So first I want to thank you, Chairman, because I appreciate the opportunity to share some final thoughts. I have acknowledged I have made my own mistakes and I have owned up to them publicly and under oath. But silence and complicity in the face of the daily destruction of our basic norms and civility to one another will not be one of them. I did things and I acted improperly, at times at Mr. Trump's behest. I blindly followed his demands. My loyalty to Mr. Trump has cost me everything. My family's happiness, friendships, my law license, my company, my livelihood, my honor, my reputation, and soon my freedom. And I will not sit back, say nothing, and allow him to do the same to the country. Indeed, given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, that there will never be a peaceful transition of power. And this is why I agreed to appear before you today. My membership here uh, are all outraged behind her comments as well as we're now starting to get phone calls from our constituents asking what are we doing. Uh, So we will move methodically, but to ensure that there's a process set up uh, should this ever happen again. First, it was the governor under fire. Tonight, the first lady of Virginia is now facing a backlash, accused of being racially insensitive, allegedly giving out raw cotton and asking some black children to imagine being slaves. In a new HBO documentary, two men who met Michael Jackson when they were children accused the singer of repeated sexual abuse. Jackson, of course, fought off similar allegations until his death nearly 10 years ago. His family is again fighting back. 
Sacramento's district attorney said today two police officers would not face charges in last year's fatal shooting of an unarmed black man. 2012 is the time that we're going to send Mr. Obama home to Kenya or wherever it is. We're going to do it. Welcome to the serious side of the Jay Wild Show with Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Wild. Welcome in, folks. Today is March 3rd, 2019. You're in tune to the serious side of the Jay Wild Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network Online Radio. And it's best, of course, like the man. So my name is Jay Rao, and man, as you can hear, we have a lot going on. Good Sunday morning to you. Glad that you are in the house. It's eight minutes after the top of the hour, and as always, I never should have stayed by myself. Let me introduce you to some of the best in the biz. First up, she is my big sis. She brings it to you a little bit of Southern Swain. Let's welcome in the lady who watches CNN and MSNBC all damn day long. Let's say good morning to the very lovely Miss Vanessa Maybelli. Hey, Vanessa, what's going on? How are you? Good morning. Happy Sunday, everybody. How are you doing, Jay? Happy Sunday to you as well. Can't wait to get into the convo session. Thank you so much. All right. The man who usually brings it to you in 180 characters or less, but lately he has been in the house. I'm just going to call him. He is a member of what we do every Sunday. The silky smooth voice, the, the man, we call him the educator rapper, the guy that knows it all, the one and only, my little brother, Mr. Johnny D. What's going on, man? Good morning. How are you? Oh, I am blessed and excited as usual. And like I say, uh, just, just really ready to get started um, with some of the topics. Uh, it, it has been a, a busy week, an interesting week, but there's no Trump surprises. Uh, full of lies, full of uh, conspiracy, and full of misinformation. So he is, he is the one consistent that we always have in life. You are absolutely correct about that. Well said. My little brother, Mr. Johnny D, is in the house. And the man who really runs everything around here, the boss, the birthday boy this month, my main man, Mr. L to the E to the S, gets the first and last word. What's going on, brother? How are you? I am well. I'm well. Good morning, uh, Hawk. Good morning, Vanessa. How you guys doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, and happy birthday to you. Thank you, sir. It's, it's not the end of the month. Jay always jumps the gun, you know. Jay is man. He's, he's, well, you know, I said, it's, I said this month greeter. is the birthday boy. No, I said this month is the birthday boy. Come on, stop, man. You know, give me some props here. To, this month is the okay, month well, that you real, were born. Jay, real quick, Let, real quick. Let you can give I some say props happy birthday to month. my husband? Okay, thank you, Johnny. <laughs> you right. <laughs> yes, Vanessa, the floor is all yours, sweetheart. I just wanted to say happy birthday to my husband, Bobby. I was going to say that. Bobby Thanks, Jones. I was Bobby say Jones. End of the show. Happy Thanks. birthday. To yep. Bobby mm-hmm. Jones. Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. You know, you Bobby two Jones. guys were born the same month. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Happy birthday, Bobby. <laughs> Love you to death, brother. Thank you for sharing this beautiful yes. woman with us. I know you're saying, Thank good you, God, sir. what happened? Met her on the airplane, and ever since then, she's been a part of my life. So sorry, Bobby. Got to share with us. But thank you so much for allowing her to be a part of what we do. God bless you, and hope you have a wonderful birthday. I can't wait until you do another Vegas theme at your house so we can 
Never mind. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is a beautiful Sunday morning. Today is March third. A lot to get into. A jam packed show. Don't want to waste any more time. Let me give you the rundown. Cohen testifies. Man, we're going to talk about that first set. Second set, a very popular bit that we used to do on a consistent basis, but it's back. It's called YTP, Your Thoughts, Please. We're trying to fit in as many topics as we can within a 30-minute segment. Good luck with that. And, of course, third and final set, black lives don't matter because now we have two cops once again cleared in the shooting of an unarmed black man. We'll talk about that as well. Once again, the number is 347-850-1272. Not sure if the chat room open. I'm pretty sure it is. This guy yes, is on top is. of it. I am proud to report that now we are at 80% capacity with all the sites that we had insights to. So some of the normal, regular people, we can get your comments in during a chatterbox, monitoring it, trying to make it happen. We appreciate you. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Michael Cohen testified this week on Capitol Hill. He said a lot of things that uh, I think we all know. He called the man a racist. He called him a liar. He called him a lot of things. Mr. Elias, let me start the conversation off with you. The first thing that he accused him of, like I just said, he called him a racist. He didn't say anything about Russia. The first thing that he that came out of Michael Cohen's mouth is when he said, Donald Trump is a racist. What do you think, man? Did you watch any of it? And give me your thoughts on his overall performance and what the GOP well, tried to do. Well, I watched... Um I watched what I could as far as, you know, in the evenings, you know, the the rebuttals and everything else. But, I, you know, at work yeah. I couldn't watch it because I was moving. We were doing a lot of stuff. We were busy this week. But, um, look, man, <laughs> calling a racist is okay. Ooh, I'm shocked. You know, I'm really shocked. Look, the bottom line is everybody knows what this guy is except for his supporters. That's why when he that's why when he easy said last week about you know what Jesse Smollett did compared to what Donald Trump did was would cause a riot. I'm thinking to myself, this cat this cat has done everything in his power to uh, you know uh, as far as race relations. Yes, yeah, you said I've heard that. Wow. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I said okay. easy is drinking the Kool Aid. I'm, I'm telling you, just it's amazing. Hey, 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 hey. Leave that, easy alone now. Ahead. I'm just telling you what I feel, but I, I'm, I'm okay. saying that these things, you know, to, to say that this guy's a racist and people's like he is. I mean, think of what he said about Charlottesville. Think about how he's treated black people trying to move into his buildings. I mean, all, all these. Uh, think about the Central Park Five. They were uh, they were acquitted of all these charges. They were proven innocent. And what does he still do? He pulls out a, a, a he puts an ad in the paper that said these these young men should be killed for something they didn't do. This I mean you can go on and on and on and on about all the things that this guy what does he what do he call all Mexicans rapists and killers? Come on let, let, let's just keep going down the line of things that this man has done and and people said well he's he's a, he's a racist so what everybody knows that everyone knows that and I'm quite sure to black folks and 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 people of color. It wasn't a shock. It wasn't. You know, uh, here's the thing. Mr. Elias brings up some valid points. Uh, the one thing, Vanessa, that I think a lot of his supporters ignore is 
you know, they talk about Michael Cohen. They say, oh, you know, he's a liar. He's this. He's that. Don't you know that most crimes in America are, are you know, are solved by people who have turned states evidence, you know, that had shady past? I mean, this is this is the norm. So, you know. It's amazing how they ignore someone who was with this man for 10 years straight. This guy brought evidence to the table. You heard him on a recording, uh, you know, uh, conspiring with uh, Conan and his treasury guy or his accountant on how to pay this young lady, but yet still they still drink the grape Kool-Aid. Why is that the case, Vanessa? Why do people, when you have stuff right there in front of them, sits here and grabs the coattail of a guy who don't give a damn about them either way. They act like Donald Trump was some, you know, you know, humanitarian who was doing good. Donald Trump has all been all about Donald Trump. And the more and more you have all these investigations going on, he is being exposed for who he is. And yet still these people continuously to follow this guy blindly. Why do you think that's so, Vanessa? Okay, First of all, people are not going to turn around and say that they were wrong for backing him or for voting for him. They're just not going to do it. Second, they hear Cohen. They know what Cohen is telling the truth. But again, they're not going to say that Trump is a crook because that's going to make them look crazy for voting for him and backing him. Three, they know his whole family's a crook, including the children and Ivanka and everybody else who decided they made $83 million in a year and they work in the White House. Who makes $83 million a year in a year and they work in the White House? Okay, so, Jay, what I want to know is what the black people who voted for him think. Not the white people or the other people of whatever nationality, because I'm not being a racist. I want to know what the black people, because I haven't ran into any of my classmates yet, so I can have this conversation, who voted for him and told me why they voted for him. I want to know what they think now that their 401ks and lost thousands of dollars and Trump is fixing to go to jail, or at least his children is. So, I mean, I can see everybody else, Jay. They're not going to say, oh, he's a crook after they didn't sat there and bagged him up. They're not going to do that. They were looking at coin just, okay, now what I will say is, who was that little girl standing up there? We're going to talk about that. Hold on. Oh, you're moving too fast. We'll talk about her. She's coming up next. Don't worry about it. We're going to talk about her. Just keep it moving. Don't jump the gun. We're going to talk about her. That's for damn sure. She is definitely on the radar. Yeah, we're going to talk about her. Johnny D. Johnny D, let, 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 me, let me get your thoughts on this thing, man. Once again, when we look at how the people – gravitate to this guy, how he hasn't shown anyone that he's loyal to them. All the evidence is out there, a lot of it. I mean, listen, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, we haven't gotten the Mueller report just yet, but the bottom line is is that this guy showed up with checks. He brought financial records, okay? You know, so for folks to continue to follow this man blindly is amazing to me. What say you? Well, certainly no, no one was surprised at the, this revelation that, that Donald Trump is a racist. Um, I think the question that we should ask is, what does that make Michael Cohen for a person who's had a relationship with Donald Trump and has defended his, his ill wills and wrongs? Uh, Michael Cohen was part of the defense 
uh, that Donald Trump lodged against his workers when he didn't want to pay him salary. So there, there is no, no, you know, jack in the box where we're going to all be surprised that uh, he, he made this statement. And I think that the reason why he started it off is because he wanted to, to really make an impact. Um, this guy is a desperate man who's looking at prison time. Yeah, he was certainly offended by the comments or the illusion that Donald Trump would touch his family. But they have pretended to be these, these mafioso-type individuals in a more controlled environment for many, many years. So I was not impressed by Michael Cohen's testimony. No one was surprised by Michael Cohen's testimony. And to be quite honest with you, um, I think whatever he has turned over um, to the to the Mueller investigation, they probably were not as surprised because at some point, uh, you know, you, you, you would think that they would not necessarily reveal it, but there would be even more of his family members in, in, involved in the criminality. So, you know, did, did, did he do America a, a good service? No, I think he just simply confirmed what all the speculation, what all of the evidence was leading up to. He expedited the process, but he expedited it on his own behalf. Uh, he's trying to save himself. So, you know, you think about a conspirator like a Michael Cohen for, like I say, nearly 30 years, he's defended this man's ill wills and wrongs. So I would state that he's a racist himself, and I'm not impressed by any of what Wow. Wow, interesting. You know, let's take that one and spin it around the horn. Mr. Elias, you feel the same way? I mean, because I, I thought, let me give you my take real quick, and I'll, I'll turn it over to you. You know, listen, I, I thought the guy was contrite. I, I thought that, you know, when you looked at him, and, and he has nothing to gain from this. I mean, yeah, there's a possibility they can reduce his sentence. I'm not sure, you know, like anyone, self-preservation is the key, so I, I guess I can't fault him for that. Uh, there are a lot of people who have hung out in, in uh, Trump's orbit. You know, you look at Amorosa, and all of a sudden, you know, she has true juice in her. She's out talking about these people. You know, so there's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. If someone makes a mistake, they say, look, I want to right the wrong. I'm doing the country a favor by coming out and, you know, exposing this man for who he is and what he is. Mr. Elias, you don't think that there's a possibility that Michael Cohen has turned over a new leaf and said, look, you know, just like going to the altar on Sunday morning. Look, I've been a sinner my whole life. I want to turn my life over to the Lord. I have seen the light. I once was lost, but now I have been found. So Michael Conan, he doesn't get that uh, benefit of the doubt, Mr. Elias, in your eyes as well or no? <laughs> Well, you know what, Jay, I, I, I got to agree with Hawk on this. I, I agree, birds of a feather flock together. I think this man is a racist. I think, I think Michael Cohen's a racist. I do. You don't, you don't hang out with somebody for 10 years and not be disgusted, you know, by, by their actions if you don't agree with them. You think I'm a racist? I, I, racist? I think I'm a racist opportunist. I think that's what she is. Okay, but she's not a racist. And Cohen couldn't be one. And Cohen is not an opportunity. See, he's just a racist. Okay. He's, okay. No, I'm, I'm just asking. I, I, I'm also, no, I, what I believe, you know, how can you be? Are you calling him a racist because he's white? And Amorosa's black, so no, she's an opportunist. But Conan's a racist because he's a white guy? It, you know what, man? I'm calling I'm calling like I see it. Okay? That's what I'm doing. Okay. The bottom line. That, I'm that just asking because when you listen to that, I mean, because when you listen to that statement, it's like Amarosa was there just as long as as he was. You know, she you know she's the one with, we played that clip, and, and and she wasn't there dealing dealing his shady business practices either, was she? 
Well, but okay, that's fine, but that don't have anything to do with it. That wasn't the criteria. The criteria was you, you build around this guy. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's the criteria. She was an opportunist. She was an opportunist, and every time, okay, you could tell that she was an opportunist when she said bend down and kiss Donald Trump's ring. You know, everything I had to bend down before him. You don't have to say it, Miss Elias. We'll play it for you. Here it is right here. Online radio at its best. Good thing Omarosa already sent out her Christmas tweet because she won't be dreaming of a White House Christmas next year. Bye, girl. Bye. Goodbye. Good riddance. Goodbye. Her departure was displayed on a mock executive order. The Daily Show asked, who will be the next to go on the Celebrity of President? Now, she was the one, I thought I had the clip ready. She was the one who said everyone's going to bow down to Donald Trump. Oh, they're going what? to know that Trump is the greatest of all time. But but she's an opportunist, but because, you know, uh, Conan was, once again, like he said during his testimony, and I watched it from beginning to end, uh, his testimony, he pretty much said the same thing. I was mesmerized by this guy. Here's this rich guy, you know, everyone, What's you know, jumps to his by? back and call. What? What's he mesmerized? Because he had money? I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's what he said. I mean, you before. Nothing mesmerized me about them. Nothing. I mean, I've been around. But that's not you. Okay, that's fine. You know, I got to, I mean, come on, man. You know, I'm a Rosa seen an opportunity. And, he, he, okay, okay, here's another reason I can tell you that she's an opportunist. What's the first thing she did after she left the White House? She wrote a book. She did what every last one of them did. They wrote a book, book and went on shows. I mean, that's, I mean, but, but, Ms. Telly, yes, I guess, guess my point is, let me go. To through. make money. It was opportunity okay, to make fine. Money. Okay, how's, so. How is Michael Cohen making money off this one? How's he making money off this one? When he get out of, oh, trust me, that's one of the reasons why they asked him some of the questions that they did. You didn't watch the whole hearing. They asked him about, (laughs) there you go. He's going to be filthy rich when he gets out of of prison. Uh, Vanessa, I heard you trying to get in. Go ahead, Vanessa. I heard you were trying to say something. Go ahead. Floor is yours. Well, I just, I had two things. One is, yes, Jay, I was probably not laughing because they must have asked him five times, how you making money? Are you going to make a book deal? Are you going to have a movie? Are you going to donate any of that money? He said no. And I was like, I wouldn't give him one dime. And yes, I'd make a movie. He didn't say donate. Well, now, wait a minute, Vanessa. Let's make income? sure we get it right. How you going to make some money? Because, uh, because, because what they said was, they asked him, he said, can you assure us that you're not some opportunist trying to make money out the press? Can you assure us that you're not, that you're not going to do a movie and a book deal? He's like, no, I can't assure you of that. <laughs> I, mean, I thought he did an outstanding job. Because they try. The Republicans didn't ask one damn question, with the exception of one Republican, one guy with the glasses, I can't remember his name, did ask questions about the inquiry. But the rest of them did not ask one damn question about Donald Trump. They, they were they trying to. Sh- they, all they tried to do, Vanessa, is try to make him look like a liar, a thief, a con man. That's all they tried to do, and apparently it worked in some fashions of our country because some people don't care what he said and looked at him as being, you know, a schmutt, uh, a, a smuck, I mean, a, a freaking racist and, and a henchman. The statistics say that more people believe Cohen Well, I, I believe him. But my yeah, question to you is... Why do you think Cohen, what, okay, wait a minute, let me phrase that. Ness, what has Cohen said or done other than work for a racist, and at some point in our life we all have, what has he done, said, or done to make you think he's a racist? 
They protected him, Vanessa. If if I see something, Vanessa, in my in my heart of heart, in my soul of soul, if I see you doing something, I don't care if you paying me or not. Wrong is wrong. I was raised. What about Jerome? Well, what about Jerome? If you saw Jerome doing something wrong. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. I'm being tacky. Go ahead, I'm not going to defend that. I'm not going to jail. Jay, I'm not going to jail for you. I'm not going to jail for anybody on the board. How about that? Okay. Jay, how about Jay, you being real messy now. Yes, he is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm following the story. I'll do my push-ups during the break. I'm sorry. You'll be in jail by yourself. I'm not going to jail for you. This man is going to jail. But they didn't think they were going to go to jail, Liz. They never thought they were going to get caught. Vanessa, if I know I'm doing something illegal like that, the stuff that they were doing, come on. I'm not going to go in front of Congress and sit there and lie for you. I'm not going in front of anybody. What does that have to do with that man being a racist, And lie for anybody. I'm not going to court and lie at at any point in time because perjury, they can take your ass to jail if if you perjure yourself. I'm not going to do it. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Uh, hey, if I but I'm not going to say he's a racist. I'm just going to say he's a crook. He did it. Jay, can, Jay, can, 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 can I respond to, to Miss Vanessa? And, yeah, and go ahead. Again, what, what, is. Say, yours, sir. What, I, what, what, what I say, Miss Vanessa, doesn't necessarily make it right. Good morning, ma'am. What I'm saying is it doesn't make it right, but it, it does add reflection to me. Now, you made the commentary, and you are exactly right. You say that we have all worked for racists in the past. I think the difference being is that we have certainly worked for racists in the past. I've been in the military. I've been in all facets of work. And there are people who I assume to be racist simply because of their their actions and their ill will. But yet these were individuals that I did not advance their cause. So these are are coworkers Mm. who you know, allow me an opportunity to provide a quality of life for my family uh, because I'm I'm simply a, a, a laborer doing work, but I was not advanced to those individuals' cause. Now, with Cohen, Cohen for many, many years advanced the ideology of Donald Trump. And if he stands so tall, and that was the first comment that he said is that he's a racist, then what have you done? What have you done to deprive those individuals that you accuse him of being a racist of to advance his cause? So if, if you are one who does it, then to me that makes you just as guilty. You are a conspirator to that because if he did not do anything to stop it or negate it, then in, in fact he oppressed people. So if he oppressed people and he demeaned people and he belittled people, then he is in fact a racist. But that would make Omarosa a racist as well. Not just an opportunist, but that would make Omarosa mm. a, 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 a racist too. I mean, come on now, tip the cat. He didn't do anything well, to stop now, Donald Trump when he was in that saying nigga behind closed doors. Well, well I, I, I will say this right here. I will say this here. Now, I never said that Omarosa was, was not a person who did not defy or dislike herself because for her to she's a she's an opportunist first she's an opportunist but if Omarosa was advancing Donald Trump's cause and his message then she too would be a racist I can't necessarily say 
that she has or has not done that. But for Michael Cohen, we know he's done that in, in defending Donald Trump in his tenement buildings, in defending Donald Trump when he failed to pay, uh, you know, uh, immigrant workers uh, at, at these different golf courses and things like this. This is the guy who was on the front line saying, look, he did nothing wrong. So knowing the motive behind it, okay, which means these people are beneath me. And this guy's out there defending the champion for it. I can't necessarily say if Omarosa fits in that category. So I go back to what Les said. She is an opportunist, as is, I think, Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen is not doing this for, 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 for the goodwill of, of the country. Michael Cohen is doing this because he was implicated and was, and was going to be charged criminally. So what he did is he said, okay, I'm going to take the lesser of two evils. I still have a family out there. So I'm going to tell you what you already know. It was not like he revealed anything that the FBI didn't dis- disclose against him. This was hardcore information. The only one who was held true to form Roger Stone is holding holding firm for Trump. But Manafort, Manafort is just a pathological individual who sits there and says, I'm going to defend him to the end. And you know what he knows this here? He understands that a pardon awaits him at the end. So you can throw all of the charges on Manafort. He'll assume it. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't once blinked, has he? Manif- Paul Manafort had not blinked on any of the charges that they got him on because he knows that the end of it is a pardon. Michael Cohen, yeah, Michael Cohen says sure. he's got that what seventeen, eighteen year old daughter. So yeah, when Trump started to come after his family and start mentioning about his family, then this is when he really started, you know, being a, being a, a lot more camera friendly. But prior to that right there, everything that he's being charged with, they already knew he was he was involved with it. But so what about what he's the doing it now is he just mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. But what about the man who knows all the skeletons are buried? Whiteberg or whatever. We talking about the accountant? Every time he yeah, asked the, him a the, question it was Whiteberg. Who would know this Whiteberg? Who would know this Whiteberg? Yeah. You ain't hearing too yeah. much about him. No, well, that's true. Not, I mean that, we that we're not surface a little bit. He did surface a little bit, but like, like I say, I, I, I do think that Michael Cohen could be considered a racist and an opportunist. Omarosa is an opportunist, I, and, and little do we know about her advancing Donald Trump's racist agenda and, and, and his degradation of a people solely based on their, their ethnicity and their Bow race. Down. And I think Cohen has, has, has done that uh, and, and was paid to do it as well. Yeah, you're absolutely correct about that. Boy, a lot to get into this morning. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, in this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. Talk about the Chicago Police Department with the R. Kelly situation and everything that's happening. Let's take a look at what's happening within the Chicago Police Department. Smartest man in the world will be with us on the other side. Jerome's waiting in the wings. We'll talk to you on the other side. Today, Chicago officially began its journey of overhauling its police department under the watch of a federal judge and an independent monitor. The massive plan comes after years of complaints about police brutality from residents of mostly black and Latino neighborhoods. For many, the video of a police officer fatally shooting a black teenager in 2014 was the last straw. Now, Chicago joins more than a dozen other cities where consent decrees are forcing police departments to change. NPR's Cheryl Corley reports. 
It was just two years ago that the Department of Justice issued a blistering report calling the Chicago Police Department's use of force excessive and racially discriminatory. Soon afterwards, Chicago police issued a new use of force policy, emphasizing the sanctity of life, and started holding training sessions. At the police training academy, officers looked at videos of real use of force encounters and talked about what could have gone better. Now, under a consent decree, there are many more changes in store. For example, the department must create a monthly report about use of force incidents. It bans police from using tasers on people who are simply running away. The agreement also expands mental health services for police, including an initiative for suicide prevention, a big concern recently. Eddie Johnson is Chicago's police superintendent. We've known about this consent decree for the last two years, so we're prepared mentally to have to deal with it. As a matter of fact, the consent decree will make us better. We say bring it on and listen down to business. There are 14 other law enforcement agencies in the country getting down to business. The police department in Ferguson, Missouri, is one of them. A fatal police shooting there sparked nationwide protest and helped spur the Black Lives Matter movement. Activist Felicia Pulliam says progress under the consent decree is mixed. You know, I would have to say that I've seen some incidents of improvement. There was a lot of resistance to a new practice of policing, a new way of policing the community from some police officers. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin says it's a different story there. After six and a half years of operating under a consent decree, a federal judge said in January Seattle's police department was in compliance. We still have a disproportionate amount of force being used against people of color that we think we need to look at more carefully, but there has been a sea and cultural change. Well, it was very frustrating from the beginning. And Richard O'Neill with Seattle's police union is still critical. The incentive to get out and be a proactive officer, I think, has been damaged. And something the city cannot deny anymore is that we have had a real hit in recruiting retaining officers. That's a problem nationwide, even in departments without decrees. Chicago officials and community activists say they've studied the consent decrees in other cities. Sheila Betty is an attorney with the MacArthur Justice Center. She represented activists and community groups in a successful fight to allow them to have a direct say in overseeing the court-ordered reforms. She says that's uniquely different from other consent decrees. There are very specific ways that police in Chicago abuse their power, and it was critical that this consent decree could not just be imported uh, from Seattle, for example, that, that, that it really addressed the base. The federal judge overseeing Chicago's police reform plan says it's an important step in the city's ongoing effort to repair the damaged relationship between police and residents. He says it's no magic wand, but it is a beginning. Cheryl Corley, NPR News, Chicago. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. All right, folks, welcome back in. 347-850-1272 is our call in number, 347-850-1272. It is time for another edition of YTP, Your Thoughts, Please. 
where we try to get in many, try to solve or discuss as many topics as we can in one segment. But before we get it going, let me give the official introduction to the man, the myth, the legend himself, the one and only Mr. Jerome Spree's in the house. What's going on, Jerome? How you doing? Man, I'm good. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Another day of paradise, my friend. No palm trees. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right. Show's complete now. The man's in the house. All right. Once again, YTP, your thoughts, please. We're tackling as many as we can in the next 25 minutes. Without any further ado, let's get it started. Online radio at its best. This morning calls for a state delegate from Hartford County to resign over the use of a racial slur. That delegate, Mary Ann Lasanti, apologized for using the N-word while speaking with a colleague. We have WMR2 News' Megan Knight live in Annapolis. And Megan, it sounds like she's already been ordered to take sensitivity training. Some groups think that may not be enough here. Yeah, that's right, Christian. In fact, we've got one group, the African-American Democratic Clubs of Maryland. They wrote a letter, posted it on Facebook, saying that they don't feel that Mary Ann Lasanti can effectively represent her district in Harford County. So they are calling for her to step down and resign immediately. Now, this all stems from an article in the Washington Post that says Lasanti used a racial slur at an after-hours gathering here in Annapolis at a cigar bar using the N-word to refer to Prince George's County. Now, in the article, she initially said that she didn't recall using that word, but once that article was published, she issued an apology, essentially taking responsibility for using the N-word. In that statement, she said, quote, I deeply apologize to the citizens of my district, people of Maryland, all of my colleagues in the Maryland General Assembly, and everyone reading this for my word choice several weeks ago. I am sickened that a word that is not in my vocabulary came out of my mouth. It does not represent my belief system, my life's work, or what is in my heart. Now, Delegate Daryl Barnes, who represents Prince George's County. He's also the chairman of the Legislative Black Caucus of Maryland. He says that they are continuing to discuss the most appropriate disciplinary action for Lasanti's comments. Wow. Now, the Legislative Black Caucus has not called for her resignation, but it sounds like that's not exactly off the table. In fact, Barnes says that he'll be meeting with his members over the next couple of days and a couple of weeks to decide if they want to push for that. In the meantime, though, uh, Lasanti has lost a leadership role. She is no longer on the Unemployment Insurance Subcommittee, and she also is being ordered to take sensitivity training. Online radio at its best. Well, 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 well. All right, so Johnny D, here we go. Another lawmaker. Here's another East Coast Democrat <laughs> saying insistent things about our people, man. What's up with this story? Your thoughts, please. Jay, when I saw the article, uh, of course, you know, I, I shared it with you, and you were already up on it. It, it, it It's in... It's an insult to her constituents. I, I believe I read in the article where it says 68% of her district is African American. And of course, with the, uh, yeah. right, right. With, with the Black Caucus, um, you know, that, that decision should have been swift. And, you know, whether it be a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or, or a non affiliate, uh, when you make those type of comments to the people that you serve, means that you have no regards for them. And you no longer need to serve those individuals. So, you know, it, it's not even about politics. It, it's about just doing your job. And she was voted on. I mean, she was voted to to to, to Congress by an African-American constituent in, in, in a base 
So she can no longer serve them because she she does not see them as as her equals. So, you know, I don't know what the delay is with the with the Black Caucus, but again, it, it's sad that we have not only just this young lady here. She she just got caught. But there's a lot of people who sit around the table and sit around the, the, the grills at, at cookouts and on the golf course and make these belittling comments about the about the people that they serve. And the mockery of it is is the sensitivity train in which, you know, it, it is a must, but at the same time a joke because, you know, you would think that she would have had years of, of sensitivity training just by her, her, her interaction and engagement. And to remove her from a leadership role on the um, the uh, the unemployment uh, board is it's is probably you know just due, but again it's a mockery because she probably sees her constituents as being in great need and desperate, and that's probably how she drew so much resentment towards them. So again, a shame um, that these things do happen, uh, but she's not the only one who feels that way, and certainly shame on the the uh, Black Caucus for not moving more rapidly to make sure that she. Uh, uh, serves the people of, of her district. Wow. Uh, Jerome, man, your thoughts, please. What do you think about this story? Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have any, any thoughts on it, just generally. But hit me back when the Michael Cohen thing comes back around. <laughs> I'll pass on this one. <laughs> he said, hit me back. And I'll pass this my game show, Jerome. But all right, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm about to make one because apparently white folks think it's a game for them to throw out the N word. So since they treat me like one, I am too. Hit me back on that one. <laughs> hit you back, all right. You know, hit me back. I like that. That's some slang. I like the little slang, which uh, should be a this uh, could segue into the the next uh, YTP. <laughs> Online radio at its best. Yesterday, Twitter melted down after a rumor surfaced that J-Lo would be performing a Motown tribute at this Sunday's Grammy Awards in honor of the label's 60th anniversary. Upon hearing the news, Jamel Hill tweeted, I have questions. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. April Rain uh, tweeted, can we just cancel Black History Month? Reboot for 2020 because we're in week one and I can't take much more. Smokey is alive, Stevie is alive, Diana Ross, Lionel Richie, you know, actual Motown artists. This is, okay, first of all, I want to say something. This is the Grammys asking J-Lo to do this, all right? Yeah, it's not J-Lo asking right. the Grammys that I just want to I want to make that, you know, clear. I just, <laughs> for me personally, just as a fan of that music, with all these greats that we just listed and so many more, I like the OG. I want to hear the original. I want to be moved back to when I first heard that song. I'd like to hear an ensemble of the greatest. Oh, that was great. awesome. I agree. Cardi B is scheduled to perform at the Houston Rodeo for Black Heritage Day. It's an odd choice given that Cardi is neither black nor is she from Houston. Her father is Dominican. Her mother is of Trinidadian descent. Here are pictures of Cardi B's parents, and it's pretty clear neither are quote-unquote black. Online radio at its best. You know, Vanessa, when I first, when we, when this first came up, I was thinking about you. So here we are. We have two Latino stars performing 
at the Grammys, which is supposed to recognize, you know, the, the 60th anniversary of Motown, and here in, in Houston, we have the biggest rodeo in the state of Texas, and, you know, it's what we call African American Night, and we have someone that's not of African American descent, or should I say, that's not African American based on the parents, and, you know, you can argue back and forth whether or not they are or not. I saw pictures of them, they look like whatever they look like. So, Vanessa, uh, <laughs> your thoughts, please, on this on this topic. Okay, so I, I boycotted. I, 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 no, I was not going. I don't know nothing about no Cardi B. Cardi B ain't black, and it was black heritage. But you know what? The chip, Cardi B is not black. Bobby argued with me that she's black. No, she's not. Okay, so do you know that it was record numbers at the rodeo, Jay, because she was there? 75,000 well, people were there. No, my my deal is the youngsters, the black kids, piled in there. My sister, her whole family, all the stepchildren, all the stepchildren's friends, everybody. They had like eight tickets. Everybody, I was, I just looked at them like, I don't even know who this little girl is. I don't know nothing about her. I, she ain't black. I ain't going. No. Oh, I was beside myself. I, no. And then they gonna post in, in the newspaper. They're coming across my phone. Record numbers and blah. See, these black people, and my daughter hates to hear me say this, needs to learn to boycott to say, why you got black heritage on a Friday night that's not on a Saturday night like it used to be? Why you got the, what is it called, the Hispanic night or whatever they want to call that night? Why they got Saturday night and we don't? Why they going to call Ooh. somebody in there? Why they couldn't have Solange or, or Beyonce's cousin or anybody there that was black, but why you get her? Then they get her, and it's record numbers because they knew that the young black kids wanted to hear Cardi B, so it was all about the money. I told my daughter, that didn't make there any sense go. to go to your committee. I thought that didn't even make any sense. And she's like, Mama, well, you go. not caring if she's black or not. They want the money. Yeah, well, there you go. You're right. It's all about the money. Mr. Elias, man, uh, your thoughts, please, on this. Because are we being over, overly sensitive about this? Because I read an article saying that, no. you know, once again, a bunch of white folks are looking at this situation and saying we want to bring in money. And because they do black music or do R&B-themed type music, then they kind of, you know, come on. I mean, your thoughts, please, on this, Mr. Elias. Mr. Elias? He must be in conference. Well, I don't know what he's doing. I'll take this. Go ahead. Yo, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Jerome. Go ahead. Take it. All right. So, so here's the thing. I've I've been to um, African American Heritage or whatever it's called at Rodeo yeah. Houston for I don't know about at least six times. Now, let me tell you this. The thing that I loved about going to Houston for the rodeo was that it was my people in the building. I can tell you that just yeah. flat out. Now, I mean, but I've seen like Gladys Knight and you know Brian McKnight and all of those guys in there at the time. So that about Mary Day and all of them. But Curly B, um, I, I know this is going to seem like I'm on the other side of Vanessa, but they all we have a habit of separating black people in, in the diaspora in the Caribbean from being black. If you have EU melanin, just on the scientific side, you're black. Because phaeomelanin and eumelanin, they don't exist in the same place. So you either have one or the other. So how DNA works is that you can love Spanish people all you want to and say, I'm Spanish and I'm Hispanic and not black. You are black. 
So just own it and keep it moving. So I'm like, anytime I see that argument come, it kind of unnerves me just because of the genetic part of how this stuff works and how vaccines work in your body and how um, all these other things work is that you need to own it so that you can actually understand how your body works. But Carly B, you know, she resides in the black community. She it's very different watching Carly B than watching somebody who's assimilating black people. That's very different. But Caribbean people, mm. um, indigenous people are black people. We need to be okay yeah, with okay. that. Well, wow. Jerome broke it down scientifically for us, Johnny D. I want to get your... Hold on, Vanessa. Hold Thanks. on, Vanessa. Let me hear from Johnny. I know you're ready to fight, but you see parents of uh, her... her, her uh, you see her parents, they don't look black to me. But I guess, Johnny D, here's my question to you. Then I got to get to the next one. You know, I mean, I hear what Jerome's saying, but we do have black artists out there that you don't have to use the scientific breakdown of this, that, and the other. Why can't you get Gladys Knight? Why can't you do, you know, even for the Grammys, why didn't you get Gladys Knight to, to come and do this? Or even, you know, a Motown artist. Why would you have J-Lo? I mean, so, I mean, your thoughts, please, Johnny D, on this topic, and we have to move on. Yeah, just real quickly, I, I think the authenticity of, of Motown getting Gladys Knight, Smokey Robinson, and some of the greats and the legends would have would have certainly um, been a lot more fitting. But you know, when you think about the, the history of, of J Lo and, and Cardi B, uh, these are artists who have pretty much paralleled their, their success in their careers with an with an African American base. So, with, with that being said, uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, I think Jerome summed it up perfectly. Uh, to be honest with you, but uh, like I say, it, it, it is choices that we make. Uh, the Motown it, it probably is a little bit more disheartening because I don't know the history and 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 the the, the thoughts with the with the Houston rodeo. Wow, that's interesting. Well, since we're talking about uh, Motown, why not keep it going? Online radio at its best. Every night that I was with him, there was abuse. While my mother was, you know, next door. The explosive allegations are made in a new documentary by two men, Wade Robson and James Safechuck, who claim they were sexually assaulted for years by Michael Jackson and warned to keep it a secret. You know, he started talking about how much he loves me. What this is, is us. How we show our love for each other. Other people are ignorant and they're stupid. They'd never understand. It comes after years of denials of molestation. Well, what's he like? What's he like? He's a good guy. He's a good guy? No, no, no nonsense, no, no, no shenanigans? It's a story the Jackson family has denounced, calling Robson and Safechuck opportunists and admitted liars in a recent lawsuit filed against HBO. And the documentary, a one-sided marathon of unvetted propaganda. A position Gail King took up with the film's director, Dan Reed, on CBS This Morning. Did you not think it was necessary to hear from members of his family? Well, this, this, this isn't a film about Michael Jackson. It's a film about Wade Robson and James Safechuck, the two little boys who, you know, to whom this dreadful thing happened long ago. King sat down with the Jackson family for their side of the story. Why do you think they're coming forward now? Money. You think it's all about money? Well, it's, it's all about money. It's always been about money. Did it not seem odd to you, though, that your brother would share a bed or have slumber parties with young children? Well, I don't know if he has... I, I, I can't say yes. Well, you said sleepovers. No, but, but, I grew up in it. So I can, he was there. Yeah, I, can, I grew up in it. So for me, it wasn't odd. You know, it wasn't I, odd. I think 
to the outside world, yes, I think it yeah. can be odd. I mean, I'm not oblivious to what it sounds like, but mm -hmm. when you're actually there in that atmosphere and you're around it and you're watching movies with, whether, his, kids too, yes, with his kids, it's very innocent. But I think the fault of my uncle was he just, he didn't have that bone in his body right. to look at it the other way. His naivety was his downfall. Online radio at its best. Okay, so, um, you know, 10 years almost, you know, this year will be 10 years since Michael Jackson died. This is we were talking about Motown, wanted to throw this one in there. You know, what is up with Oprah? And I think Oprah's going to be the host of this thing. After Neverland, these kids are, now they're grown, they're coming forward saying that Michael Jackson molested them. I'm not sure how you feel about Mike, Mike, Mike Jackson, but, you know, I don't know if Mr. Elias is back with us. Mr. Elias, man, your thoughts, please, on this, since we haven't heard from you. Okay, I wasn't right, so, like um, LES. I was gonna say we don't like Oprah, but I can't sound like LES. So <laughs> <laughs> you did, you just did. <laughs> all right, uh, let, let, let me. All right, all right, Vanessa. Why is Oprah Winfrey taking this on? I mean, is it? I mean, I thought Oprah retired from this stuff, and it's like you have billions and billions of dollars, maybe because she lost all the money with uh, Weight Watchers. I don't know. Why is she involved in this? And, uh, you know, why can't we just let this go? Is this another situation surviving R. Kelly where they're trying to now put Michael Jackson on, uh, on display here publicly? I mean, what say you? I mean, your thoughts, please. Because Oprah don't have no life. Right. Oprah no children. Oprah don't have but a bunch of dollars and a bunch of houses. And Edmund, whenever he feel like being barber. So Edmund, she just has to be in some stuff. So, you know what? Whatever, Oprah. Right. When people well, start doing um, the gay the Oprah story, then we're going to sit back and do what we're going to do right now. <laughs> right? Because well, you guys just, are on it this right. morning. Right. I'm go ahead, It looks that way. So once it looks like that, you're going to go with rumor and all this other stuff and say, oh, well, somebody's accusing you of something because he's now dead. Now he can't defend himself. And now you're going to keep asking. So they're selling that man's... Um, his legacy and they're pulling you know music off of the BBC and stuff because they're like oh since ne leaving Neverland or whatever now we can't trust yeah. Michael Jackson's music they're full of garbage and Oprah should be damn ashamed of herself you know we should be boycotting Oprah if you want to boycott somebody but that's crazy that we participate in selling each other way after the fact right yeah. and this is getting sick and actually, that is a little bit more disturbing to me that we start to participating, participating in stuff like that. Because I can tell you that black folks in general, and I, I know there's a lot of people who are listening to this show that I know of that is going to say, well, black people do that too and whatever. But I can tell you, it is sick to me when I see anybody looking at little kids. And so I don't know that to be a black person's trait. So if, if I'm around a little kid... I, hell, my niece is 30, and I still look at her like she's 12, and she has a child. Yeah. That ain't in us to actually go, hey, let's harm this little kid. So if if that was in Michael Jackson's head of saying he's there with a big star, we all sleep in the same thing, place and watch movies, yeah, that can be a little naive. But the fact is is that that's not in the first part of your mind as a, as a grown person to harm children. you got to be a sick ass to do that. So and I know I curse, but whatever to anybody who believes that that's in the forefront of somebody's head. 
you got to be sick to even think that way. So to accuse Michael Jackson of something like that and then know how rich he was, that people weren't extorting money, that dude had a billion-dollar catalog that they stole from him when he died. So I don't trust none of them fools coming out now talking about, oh, this is what Michael Jackson did to me. I know it came up before, but they were trying to extort from him, and they proved it. So we don't look at kids like that as a community generally. You know, it does happen, yeah. but that is not that is not normal for anybody to have prey on children. Absolutely. But, uh, and, Absolutely. Jerome, I agree with you on I'm that. Totally with Jerome. But, Jerome, you know what, brother? He did it or he didn't do it. He mm-hmm. did. So why exactly. he got to put her two cents in it? I know. He got I know. Yeah. Because it's easy, yeah, it's easy to character assassinate somebody who's dead. It's it's like what we do to, to people like Cosby. It's like take Cosby off the air. I'm like, Cosby was a good show, and people watched it, so whatever. You know what I mean? Like, people like to go back and re-assassinate black folks' character all over the place. We don't go, you know, assassinate Rock Hudson and Clark Gable and all them dudes. But black people, you die... It's an opportunity to do marketing against you just to make some money because you're still popular amongst black folks. So just yeah. like that dude came on there and lied and said, I'm sorry, Jay, really quickly. Like he came on there and said, it's not about Michael Jackson, it's about the victim. That is bull. We wouldn't even be, they wouldn't even show that bull if they weren't talking about Michael Jackson. So that, that ain't, that's a bunch of bull. And we need to stop letting people assassinate character like that. Get them to. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right, we'll try to sneak one more in before we got to get out of here for a break. Online radio at its best. Virginia's first lady, Pam Northam, under fire tonight after handing out raw cotton to a group of students, some of them black, during a tour of the governor's mansion, telling them to imagine what it was like to be a slave. But the mother of one of those eighth grade students outraged, claiming in a scathing letter that black students were singled out, writing, Why would anyone ask children to imagine something like that, let alone African American children? Mrs. Northam's office denies singling anyone out. In a statement, the First Lady says it was intended to illustrate a painful period of Virginia history. This comes as her embattled husband, Democratic Governor Ralph Northam, tries to reconcile with the black community after admitting to wearing black tape at a dance contest in the 1980s. Uh, uh, and I used just a little bit of shoe polish. Mrs. Northam, standing by her husband's side, stepping in when it appeared he considered demonstrating the moonwalk. Inappropriate for my wife says, inappropriate circumstances. The First Lady's office tells me Mrs. Northam offered to convey her apology in person to the young girl and her mother, but she has not received a response. Online radio at its best. All right, Mr. Elias, you're back. Uh, all right, so talk to us about this, man. Your thoughts, please, on this particular topic. First, the governor now is well, like what's going on in Virginia. I'd like to apologize to the audience. I had to take a, an important phone call. Um, look, uh, happy Black History Month. Here's some cotton. Wow. You know, so, you know, your husband dressed up in blackface and you give people cotton. Ooh, that, that is a great, a great segue into that, the Black History Month. What is wrong with, with the Virginia governor and his wife, man? Really? How, you know, imagine how it is to be a slave. I don't want to imagine how it is to be a slave. You imagine how it is to be a slave. Put your ass out there in the cotton fields and let your let your ass get burned up like a raisin. I, 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 it's it's insensitive to me that if they would do something, it's insensitive to people. 
black folks, white folks, whatever, it's insensitive. You know, let's, you know. Oh my God, it's, it's ridiculous, man. I, I, it, well, it, it's, I can't, I can't believe that, man. I really can't. Oh, tell us how you really feel, Mr. Elias. Johnny D, let me give you the final word on this one. Uh, can it be a situation where, you know, white people just, they never lived their life. They don't know. She was like, I'm just trying to teach them a lesson. Her, according to her, she was like, look, I was just trying to illustrate how bad it was. I don't believe in racism. I don't believe in that stuff. I was just trying to, you know, you know, illustrate our history. Even though it's a bad history, it's our history. We still have to acknowledge that it existed. What are, you, what are your thoughts, please? You know, Jay, years ago when African Americans were brought over, well, Africans were brought over here on the ships that are Santa Maria, what was demonstrated at that point in time was America's ability to try to keep us thinking in the terms of slavery. So, was that a sincere and genuine question? That's a question that, to be quite honest with you, um, I grew up with being posed that question by a lot of my African-American scholars. Uh, I went to an all-black schools up until the time I was in the 11th grade. But what allowed me an opportunity to really broaden my horizons was actually going to a more diverse school in the 11th and 12th grade. So there were some limitations, but that was a question that oftentimes educators ask um, the, the young black students that was in the classroom, can you imagine how it is to, you know, be, be a slave? Um, was a, you know, was it sincere? It could have been. Uh, I, you know, I would like to believe that, that she's sensitive enough to the cause to where she would not have tried to demean or degrade. So I'm, I'm maybe not as offended by posing the question as much as who pose the question. You understand what I'm saying? Because I think it is something that, that people need to understand in regards to the ancestry, but also know that there was a history before then, and then also know that there's a history after the fact. You know, this is the 400th year of captivity for blacks in America. And if you go back to, to Genesis, Genesis talks about you know, a, a people being brought to a, a, a a country that in a land that is not theirs and will be in captivity for 400 years. So in essence, you know, I look at the fact that uh, this is our time, you know, so we just got to move forward and move on again. The question itself is something that uh, I have been asked many, many years ago, whether it's right or wrong, but, you know, on the heels of what the um, governor Northam did, it probably was, was inappropriate at the time. All right. Well said. Wow. Well, all right, man. I tell you, so much show left, so much to get into. Wow. All right, listen. We have two more stories that we have. To, we have to try to get in. Take a vote. We'll be right back after this. We'll talk to you. You're listening to the serious side on a beautiful Sunday morning. The serious side continues after a short break. When I was diagnosed with breast cancer, both of my daughters were pregnant, and everything I was looking forward to turned into everything I was going to miss. First words, first steps, being there for my grandchildren, for my daughter. Today, those babies are three. I'm with them all the time. I don't know what's next, but I know I'm here today. My name is Alanthea Pena, and I'm Susan G. Coleman.
347-850-1272 is our caller number, 347-850-1272. Welcome back into the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. At its best, you know what time of the, time of the show it is. It's time to say hello to the peeps, the folks who brings this great comment, commentary to you every Sunday. Let's say good morning to the lady in the house. Good morning, Vanessa. How you doing? Good morning, Vanessa. How you doing? She's on fine, Jay. Okay, Vanessa, thank you. All right. <laughs> My little brother's in the house. Johnny I'm D, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Vanessa got a cold. Yeah. That's... <laughs> okay, say hi. Just say hi. Hi. All right, there you go. All right, there you go. All right, Johnny, what's going on, man? Good morning. How are you, sir? Doing well, <laughs> the smartest word in the world, Mr. Jerome Esprit. What's going on, Jerome? Hey, living, man, just living. Here we go. You say just living, just living. <laughs> just living. He sounds like he is living in the world of Trump. <laughs> the man hey. gets the first and last word here on the serious side. The one and only Mr. Elias. Good morning, sir. How are you? All right. Uh-oh. I can't sound like Elias. I'm good. Right, I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 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 I'm good. All right, good. How you doing? How you doing? You know, because this ass don't make no ass. This love saying the word ass on Sunday mornings. This, this guy is just crazy. All right, listen. <laughs> Folks in the chat room, hello. I have no insight, so if you're there, hello. I know Easy's in the house. Easy, good morning to you. Oh, Lita's in the house. Hey, Lita, how you doing? Good to see you, baby. Hope you're doing well. Uh, the pastor's in the house, Richmond, Texas. What's going on, Pastor Clark? Oh, man. Jerome's girlfriend's in the house, Marietta Music. Hey, Marietta, how you doing? Hey, Patricia. Look at this guy here. Uh, Clark, <laughs> I think I know you. Andy's in the house. What's going on, Maria? <laughs> hey, uh, Maria, what's going on? Michael's in the house. Oh, man, everybody's in the house checking in. 347-850-1272. A lot to get into. Now, keep in mind. Usually during this time of the show, we tell you how to follow us on social media, and I'm going to confess to you, I don't know all the places to go, all right, because Jackie is usually in the house. Oh, here she is. The director of our social media outreach, Jackie, is in the house. Jackie, good morning. Thank you for building me out. How are you doing this morning, ma'am? I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Good morning, Miss Jackie. <sighs> Yeah, oh, I tried to right, call Jackie. in and see where you're at in the show, so. <laughs> right on time, right, girl, on right on time. time. All right, so <laughs> tell people how they can stay with the show and stay connected to the show, even when we're not on the air, ma'am. If you want to keep up with the TJRS Radio Network, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all three pages have the same ending handle. Facebook.com slash groups, Twitter.com, Instagram.com slash TJRS Radio. Keep up with us. Keep up with us. You can also keep up with me, yours truly. The J-Rod Show, I am posting what's happening with me on Instagram every day, almost every day. And boy, my man, my, my Instagram people, my followers are going up. Say, hey, follow us with Jackie. Follow us with... You know, me, just follow us, follow us, follow us, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed in 
following the TJRS Radio Network. Online radio at its best. 347-850-1272 is the caller number. Oh, Kavita, man, I know you in the house, man. I'm sorry, brother. Even though I didn't see in the chat room, I know you're here. All right. So anyway, listen, we have a lot to get into. Momo B is what it's uh, Momo B is who? Easy. Momo oh, Momo B. Well, Mr. Elias, you didn't say hi when I said hi to you. So I didn't know. Hey, Momo, baby. Hey, girl. How you doing? All right, folks. Even though we're having a little bit of fun, you know, the last two topics we have on the agenda, which we're going to try to squeeze in, uh, are serious topics. And it's something that uh, we need to make sure that we cover here. Now, at the beginning of the show, first segment, we talked about the coin um, hearings and, and his when he testified in front of Congress. But what we didn't cover was the exchange that happened later in the day. So if you missed it, here's a piece of it that we're going to talk on the other side. Online radio at its best. You made some very um, demeaning comments about the, the president that Ms. Patton doesn't agree with. In fact, it has to do with your claim of racism. She says that as a daughter of a man born in Birmingham, Alabama, that there is no way that she would work for, uh, for an individual who was racist. Just to make a note, Mr. Chairman, just because someone has a person of color, a black person working for them, does not mean they aren't racist. And it is insensitive that some would even say it's the fact that someone would actually use a prop, a black woman, in this chamber, in this committee, is alone racist in itself. I am not calling the gentleman, um, Mr. Meadows, a racist for doing so. I'm saying that in itself it is a racist act. There's nothing more personal to me than my relationship. My nieces and nephews are people of color. Not many people know that. You know that, Mr. Chairman. And to indicate that I asked someone who is a personal friend of the, the Trump family, who has worked for him, who knows this particular individual, that she's coming in to be a prop, it's racist to suggest that I ask her to come in here for that reason. Online radio at its best. So that was the exchange between Representative Meadows and Representative the freshman uh, Congresswoman Representative Talib uh, at the hearing for Michael Cohen uh, when uh, he testified against the president uh, this past week. Uh, it was very uncomfortable when I saw the young lady standing there. Uh, she just stood there. Uh, she wasn't sworn in. She didn't say anything. And people said that she was used as a prop. And so, you know, all of a sudden, Twitter went berserk behind it because they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. You can hear in the congresswoman's voice how she was uh, just, you know, so distraught behind the fact that here you are, have a black woman standing in front of these people, kind of reminded me back in the day when you used to have slaves on the auction block and you put them up and let people look at them and determine whether or not they had get hide parts or, you know, if they were fertile. I mean, this... It just brought back bad memories. And let me start with you, Johnny. The I don't know how much of the hearing you saw, but the fact that he brought this woman up here, it did all of a sudden almost move to tears because she called him out for what it was. You know, come on, man. What say you? Unbelievable. Jay, on this one, I'm going to have to sustain because I, I did not uh, see that, so... Before I 
begin to embellish or speculate, uh, I'll, I'll sustain from comment on this one. Okay, well, let's swing it around to Jerome because in, you, you, you were here doing the. Me, brother. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power. Come on, Chuck D. Like, what you have to say about this, man? I'm going to be right there with you, Jerome. Hey, listen. I. I am so, like, disgusted at, again, this runs into our other conversations, but that people going to say that you are racist because you found out that they was racist, he outed himself. The fact is, they didn't swear in. There is no way that she's allowed to talk on there. So she was a prop. She should just sat on his lap and be like, look, I got a black person. He should just did that because that's what we all saw. And no matter what he says about having people of color in his family, we don't give a rat. There are people who had slaves in their house while they were beating the slaves in the field. And you can't say just because this person cooks me dinner, I don't beat my slaves. You were trying to make a commentary of um, uh, uh, trying to get us to understand that there is two sides of your brain and they don't, they don't actually talk to each other, right? You showed us that you don't like black people. You attacked another woman for no reason at all by saying, you need to apologize to me. Now, I was offended that she apologized to him because there is no way a yeah. racist person puts gas in your car. You know, I don't know they have service stations like this, but if it's not a self-serve. If a racist person cleans off your windshield, that don't mean that they're not racist because they did their doggone job. So to actually say that this woman who has a non-disclosure agreement she can't talk about Trump. She can't talk about the Trump organization. She can't even say that he's racist because then she will get sued to prop her butt up there knowing that she had a gag order. It's like sitting her on the stage and saying, look at my Negro. And that's what the hell he just did. But wait a minute, Jerome. But wait a minute, Jerome. Let, let, let me push back a little bit because it, because according to Congressman Meadows, he's not racist. I mean, he, he's not racist, right? I mean, and look, and I have proof, Jerome. Let's listen to the proof that this guy is not a racist. And we'll talk to him about it. Online radio at its best. Hi, I'm Frances, and I'll be your waitress for the evening. 2012 is the time that we're going to send Mr. Obama home to Kenya or wherever it is. We're going to do it. If you're sent to Congress, will you pursue some kind of investigation to find out whether or not this uh, guy is really a citizen and entitled to those authority? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I, I see it as... If we do our job from a grassroots standpoint, we won't have to worry about it. You know what? We, we'll send him back home to Kenya or wherever it is. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll send him back home. Obama has gotten arrogant. He's using the pen to create and legislate from the executive branch, and we need to say enough and enough. And 2012 is when we're going to send him back home, uh, wherever that may be. And, uh, and as, Amen. As, as we Online radio at its best. Jerome, shame on you. Does that sound like a racist? Does he sound like a racist? Come on, Jerome. Shame on you for being playing that ball, because technically that didn't move the needle on nobody. (laughs) 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 When you talk about racist people, it's like when you guys were talking about Michael Cohen uh, uh, earlier. I'm going to tell you this. We all know that Trump is racist. And even though he said that, he could have lied about something. It does not... 
Okay, so the definition is if you tell a lie that you can possibly be a liar. But even in mob cases, when somebody says, I killed 20 pe- people, and that person helped me kill 10 of them, you can't say, well, he's lying because he killed some people himself. Them fools all are in the same club. He was throwing meat to the people who were birthers by saying, we don't know where yep. ever he is, and he was shouting out Africa, yep. right, by saying Kenya. Yep. Them dudes are racist. And anybody who, who covers for them, uh, even in... Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden has done this when he talked about Pence. He was like, he's a good guy, but no, them dudes, we need to identify who they are and not let other people's feet off the fire. That dude's racist from jump, and he's always been there. And I feel bad that that, again, I was going to say that woman, but this is not, that wasn't a demeaning, that was my respect for her being a female, that... Um, I think mm-hmm. women have more compassion, and I respect that, and I love them, and that's why they're probably pretty much the smartest people on the planet, because they have more compassion, and they can see through all of this garbage. But I'm telling you this, if that was a black man, he should have went and um, I, I, he, wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have apologized. And by the way, and John Lewis, who said that that's my friend and blah, 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 I'm sorry, much respect to John Lewis, but Elijah he cannot cover for no racist dude because he is your friend. Don't give a rat that he's your friend. That dude is oppressing other people. And even with his policies he's doing that. And we need to stop this. Right? Don't take no shot to John Lewis. Don't take no shot to Tully. Elijah Cummings. Elijah Cummings. Elijah yeah, Cummings. I know they look alike. I get them confused too. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. Elijah Cummings. But the, yeah. the trick is, is that we need to understand that he's been through a long fight, Elijah Cummings. Just like Jesse, just like Minister Farrakhan, just like all of those guys. And the fact is that we have to respect the work that people put in. But we are not letting them off the hook. Not not them. We're not letting the white folks off the hook who are being racist and crazy just because those guys blessed them. You know, we're not doing that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad that the millennial <clears throat> kids don't have no... They, they took, like, history and stuff and civics out of school. I'm glad that these kids came up to start lighting fires under their butt, like Ocasio-Cortez. Like, she lit a fire under them because she's smart. Y'all can paint her green deal and all of that other stuff and paint her all kind of crazy if you want to. That woman is smart, and we just kind of need to keep pushing forward and, and sifting out these racist, crazy people, whether they're on the Democratic side or Republican side, because even with or, 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 or Ocasio-Cortez, um, the guy who she beat, is on one of Trump's committees to sell something on uh, some lobbyist side. He's helping Trump, the Democrat, and that dude was supposed to come after Nancy Pelosi to run the Democratic Party. The guy that she beat yeah. is now helping Trump out. Crowley. Crowley. Yeah, Crowley. Yeah. You, that should tell you something. We need to stay vigilant yeah. and stay focused. Absolutely. I agree with that 110%. Uh, the thing is, uh, let me go to you, Mr. Elias, on this. Um, you know, uh, that whole exchange, and, you know, I was obviously tongue-in-cheek with this whole thing about this guy saying that he's a racist, that he's not a racist. You know, that's 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 so old. You know, send them, you know they need to go back to Africa. They need to go back to Africa. He needs to go back to Kenya. You know, but, but let me ask you a question about the lady, because a lot of people felt sorry for her. How do you feel about her, man? Do you, you feel sorry for the fact that she was brought out and paraded around like a prop? <laughs> Well, if she's if she's you know you know some if she's under uh, 
a ga- uh, like they say, gag order where she can't speak out. Yeah, I, I do feel bad for her. But you really? know, in essence, what's the first thing? What's the first thing the white folks too. say when you call them a racist? What's the first thing they say? I got a black friend. I, I have, have a black, black friend. friend. I have black friends. Yeah, I have a yeah. black friend. Well, so that's what he I brought that out, and then he says, <laughs> on top of that, he says, I got, I, I, I got black relatives. Oh yeah. I wonder what you said when you, when, that, when that person in your family said, I'm going to marry a black person. I wonder what the first thing out of your That's mouth was. That's a good point. Was. Guess who's coming to dinner? You know? Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what That's you a good said point. at that point in time because you're going you're gonna to say, hey, welcome to the family. Or why are you marrying that? So, he, hey, man. He should parade yeah, them in the news conference. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you should have brought it up. It's crazy. But you to can't have yeah. Michelle uh, M- 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 said he felt sorry for her. Well, no, no, no. Look, look, yeah, but see, the thing is, he said he felt sorry for her because maybe she had a gag order and she had a gag order in place. Maybe he felt sorry for her. Well, this is what she said when she was on Fox News. Let's see if you feel sorry for her after you hear this. Online radio at its best. I said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, the president does not see color, race, creed, religion. What he sees is success and failure. And whether that manifests itself as a person, a place, a property, a restaurant, a TV show, a policy, um, you know, a country, a community, he makes no differentiation. And so to me, uh, that's what makes people uncomfortable, is that he doesn't care what people think and he's going to tell it like it is. Take 
take your cameras and search. John, take your camera, go into the middle and search. You're going to find MS-13, you're going to find Middle Eastern. We had a case where we had an African-American guy who was a fan of mine. Uh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. So we have an African-American guy at one of the rallies a month ago. And he's sitting there behaving. He's sitting there behaving. He's sitting there behaving. <laughs> sitting there behaving. behaving. Oh, my God. Yeah, behaving. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he's behaving. <laughs> Yeah, he's behaving. Hey, I'm on my Facebook page. <laughs> I caught yeah. that one, Jerome. Yeah, he ain't misbehaving. <laughs> he ain't misbehaving. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. All right, Johnny, man. Get, get, what, what say you, man? Wow. With this whole line of conversation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jay, as, as I said earlier, uh, mm. we, we can't be surprised at, at the commentary. I mean, this guy says some of the most appalling, offensive things that one has ever heard uh, really from any any respectable human's mouth, but to think that this, he sets in the highest office in the, what was probably the most respected office um, in, in all government throughout the world and has just degraded it to such that uh, it's just interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to certainly do some research on this, on this young lady. Um, and, and I, I want to say one thing before I, I, I pass the mic. Uh, you know, we talk about, you know, <laughs> Uncle Ben, who, who now oversees HUD. If you recall, his one qualifying uh, <laughs> character and foundation was the fact that, <laughs> that you remember he said that he, he grew up in the project? Yeah. And that was his one. That was the thing that, that led Donald Trump to put him over hood because Donald Trump has made a reference that that um, that Uncle Ben, you know, understands the people and he understands, you know, public housing. So that was his, his association with with hood. So I imagine this young lady probably has has fallen into the same characteristic. But if you keep them all up under one branch, then, of course, you know how to keep your thumb on them as well. So, like I say, this guy is, is a piece of work. It's a piece wow. of work. He comes out hugging the flag on stage. I mean, it, it's it's a piece of work. All right, listen. All right, it's uh, 33 minutes after the bottom of the hour. Uh, we're going to skip the third break. We're going to skip Chatterbox. Yeah, you I'm didn't let me say what I thought about her. Go ahead, yeah. Vanessa. Well, I'm not going to say much other than I went on her Facebook page, and I didn't see her take a picture with not one black person in the last six months on her Facebook page because I scrolled back there in practice. <laughs> but anyway. Just there's no white people there. I said it was in blackface. Thank you. Oh, gosh. That's good, Vanessa. That's all I had to <laughs> Vanessa, she's going to change her Facebook page now. It's just going to be black. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's uh. That's good, hey, Vanessa. Look at you. We report her to Facebook for not having no black people. I wonder what they do to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I gotta see. I, okay, I got to step back in. All right, here we go. Right, we're, 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 you think she's black? Too wild. Take it off. 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 Take
Well, she she probably don't. I mean, it's you get these people like this. It's unfortunate, really, for people to sit around. And, you know, and it's no different than folks who, you know, for the love of money, for the love of fame, you forget who you are, what your roots are all about. It's disgusting. It really and truly is uh, for anyone. Uh, there's no way she should have agreed to do that. I would have said, you, you go kick rocks. I'm not standing up in front of some people. Hey, look at the white man bring me, and I can't say nothing. I'm just going to stand around because I'm black. I justify the fact this guy's not a racist. It's unbelievable. And it's just unthinkable that this kind of stuff is going on in 2019. All right, 34 minutes after the hour. All right, listen, uh, no third break. Uh, I'm sorry, no channel box. I just don't have time. I want to get into the story about Stephon Clark. Uh, then I want to give what little time we have left to my favorite part of the show on a need-to-know basis. But let's listen to the story of this young man, and uh, we'll talk on the other side. Online radio at its best. Sacramento's district attorney said today two police officers would not face charges in last year's fatal shooting of an unarmed black man. The death of 22-year-old Stephon Clark sparked nationwide protests. Prosecutors say video evidence shows officers had a reasonable belief Clark had a weapon and threatened their lives. Clark was killed carrying a cell phone in his grandparents' backyard. Online radio at its best. So nearly after you... Oh, I'm sorry about that. Nearly a year after the Sacramento police fatally shot uh, Stephon Clark, a 22-year-old unarmed black man who died in his grandmother's backyard, the district attorney, a lady by the name of Anne-Marie Schobert, announced on Saturday that the two officers who killed him will not face criminal charges. In a news conference that lasted more than an hour, the district attorney walked the public through evidence gathered by investigators and discussed the law that governs when police officers are justified in using deadly force. She says the law requires that we judge uh, at a judge reasonably of uh, officers' actions based on circumstances confronting them at that moment of time. And then she said, uh, in the end, she said it was clear that the Sacramento police, Sacramento police officers uh, Jarrett Robinette and Terrence Markadal did not commit a crime. Uh, According to her, she says, look, we know that Clark fled from officers after being told to stop. Ooh-wee, that justifies deadly force. We know that he continued into the backyard, and we know that when he continued into the backyard, he rounded that corner, and he went to the end of that yard, and he turned around, according to the district attorney, describing the moments that led up to the federal shooting. He didn't continue to flee. He turned around. It was in a shooting stance with his arms extended. With um, a thumb. Yeah. So uh, she says that the two officers honestly, without hesitation, believe he had a gun before they fired 20 shots at Clark, oh. hitting him at least seven times. Um, I, I don't even know where to start with this one. I can. I just uh, want to give you a little background. What did you say, Jerome? I said I can. Ahead, I, I just want to give you a little background. She's, this is, she's had 44 cases against police officers, and she's never, ever charged any of them. So this will be wow. 46 and, uh, 45 and 46. That should tell you something. And who the heck knows what a shooting stance is with a cell phone? So anyway, again, it goes to their cognitive uh, dissonance when it comes to them seeing black people as human beings. So carry on. I just wanted to give you some background to her. You know, look, I'm glad you did that. Thank you. You know what gives me pause on this, Ms. Delius, is that when you go back and look at the night vision uh, video that's out there, these officers were behind cover, right? Now, now, look, I tried to, you know, former military, Johnny D could probably attest to this as well. Uh, 
what happens when you're in the moment, right? I mean, uh, police officers are supposed to be trained against this type of stuff, right? Because if you're chasing someone and they run and all of a sudden they turn around and extend their arms, so to speak, according to what the DA's office is saying, I mean, do you wait until they take a shot? I mean, you don't know. It's dark. I, I guess it just seems to me that police officers should be held to a higher standard because the first thing that comes out of a person's mouth is, well, look, what would you do if you were in that situation? I'm not a cop, right? I'm not a cop. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be able to use judgment when I use an authorized deadly force. So, I, I mean, man, I, I don't know, man. This, this situation with the fact that Jerome brought to light the fact that she has never charge any police officer, it's almost like they have a license to kill. And they can say, oops, I'm sorry, after the fact. What say you? Do we lose Mr. Elias again? Yep, Go ahead, Johnny, take it. Yeah, Jay, there's really no reason for, for this uh, for this verdict. And certainly uh, Jerome adds a degree of, of of expertise and research that that I wasn't aware of. But what 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 you find there is that obviously there's a precedent where this district attorney uh, is, is pro law enforcement uh, regardless of what they do. So you 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 fire 20 times. That's 20 times that you could have endangered the public. Okay. I understand that the the gentleman is fleeing, but there has to be an imminent threat towards the life of the law enforcement officer, law enforcement official. Right. And none of that, I think, was ever proven or just. You hit the young man eight times, which is seemingly excessive. Then you find out that he doesn't have a weapon. So you ask yourself, what type of threat could he have posed? Now, I go back to what I've said time and time again is that there is a training gap with today's law enforcement. You know, back in, in the 90s when, when I got out of the military and started in, in, in a, a, a career field, you generally had guys that was coming out of the military who had an interest. Right now, you've got Bob DeBaker, who's out of Hardy's, and six months later, he is on the police force. Now, there is a there is a, a, a reasonable expectation that the training should prepare individuals for this. But clearly what we're seeing is that there is a lack of training for the law enforcement. Now not in all cases, but in this instance here, this is homicide. There's no other way to to say it. Uh this is homicide and the fact that that, that uh citizenry in the community in, in Sacramento cannot have an unbiased district attorney does not fare well for that community because in essence what you are creating is a police state and when you don't have any ability to control what they do then it leads to issues such as this now I understand why some of the citizens were so animated in regards to their public outcry. You know, um, this was this was a, 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 a situation in the case that had uh, body cam footage. So immediately you had an opportunity to assess it, and it played itself out on the news. And to, and to the average eye, 
you're looking at this from the standpoint that okay, this is no this in no way can this be right. But you allow you allow the rule of law and due process to take place. But in this case, there's a violation of the rule of law and there was no due process. This is clearly homicide, manslaughter, but it is one of the two. It is not innocent. So I don't want anyone out there to think that this here is just and that this verdict is just. It is another scar on the fine law enforcement officers who go out there and do their jobs every single day the right way. And it's a sad testimony. And those are my comments. Uh, it pains me to, to think that, once again, we're, we're replaying the same verdicts over and over again, just in different communities and different circumstances. And you have to ask yourself at some point why. Now, what does not help it is for people and citizens to go out and just arbitrarily shoot at law enforcement and pose a threat to them. Because in their mind, it justifies that, okay, I was under imminent threat and imminent danger of a cell phone, really. What, what could he have done with, with, with a cell phone that would have allowed him, and, and again, you know, you're talking about in the back, uh, I, I don't recall reading a report early on at least where the young man was able to turn around and aim, okay? You would have to aim or point the cell phone in that direction. Now, what fool would do that? What fool would do that understanding the circumstances and knowing the history of that particular community that's got a district attorney that, that, that's, that's pro-law enforcement? I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, it's really a sad, uh, it's just really sad. It's, it's, it's sad, sad, sad. Vanessa, your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are, Jay, it's, it's, it's really sad to say, come, well, I'm not going to come comfortable, that it happens so often that you're just not surprised. I mean, remember the guy right here in Houston yeah. who got shot and, and messed up his baseball career, uh, uh, yeah. mistaken identity, uh, and got shot in his own yard, and then they pulled the gun on the mama because she came out screaming about her child. I mean... I do believe that those police officers uh, got in trouble. I don't remember what happened to them. And I do know that they sued, because that's in Bel Air, Texas, which is it's in Houston. It's just a small, privy community. But uh, they did sue them with an undisclosed amount of money. Uh, but no money can, can, can help somebody who had a big, bright future in front of them and people who have been killed. I just... Yeah, there's really no place to it. Jerome, let me let you wrap up, and then we're going to go straight into your uh, segment, sir. Well, you know, I I don't really have anything uh, for this. I mean, I did talk earlier, so I won't take up any more time. I'll let you go. All right. It's it's sad. It's really sad. It's a sad state of affairs that every, you know, we can do a show every week talking about how this goes down. And, yeah, you had the situation that happened in Chicago. We covered that, too, where the cop was actually convicted of second-degree murder and, you know, all this other stuff. But when you have, you know, why wear a body cam when the body cam tells the story you still don't want to, you know, acknowledge what's going on? And like I said, look, I, and I said this on the show before. I've been involved where we had simulate, you know, you, you train in a simulator and, and you know, listen, and, and there was a situation where, you know, those things are pretty intense and you're like, wow, what do you do? And I remember, 
you know, I accidentally shot somebody uh, during the simulator because I was like, whoa, you know, this looks like they're about to do this. And so sometimes when you're in those situations, and I was in the simulator sweating, so I wasn't on the streets. So I'm not trying to justify what, what they did, but it just seems to me that, you know, there should be some type of, in the back of your mind, you have to have a mindset of knowing, hey, you live in an environment where African-American unarmed black men are being shot all the time. And it just seems to me you have to take just a little bit of caution. But good God, it's like, well, if I take that caution, do I get shot? I don't know. It's just a bad situation. It's unfortunate that we have to cover these types of stories. All right, folks, like I said, no chatterbox this morning. I'm sorry. I will read one comment during my final thoughts because they are regular of the show, and I will read it. But besides that, I'm sorry, folks. We're just running out of time here. But on that note, let's try to get 10 minutes of this in. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me what you want me to do. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. All right, folks, it is time for my favorite part of the show. At least eight minutes, I'm sorry, because we have to at least, at least have five minutes for final thoughts. It's time for On the Need to Know Basis with Mr. Jerome Spreeman. Jerome, what do you have in this abbreviated segment of your portion of the show, sir? Yes. Okay, so JetBlue included an, um, an included image of Joanne Chesimar, better known as the Shot of Secure. Um, and it featured it on the display on LaGuardia's airport as a tribute to Black History Month. They apologized later. In a statement, they said our crew members came together to celebrate Black History Month with a display in Terminal 5 featuring prominent individuals in history. We learned of of the concerns of one individual, and we immediately removed the poster. One person complained about a black person, they remove it. Black people can complain about a a thousand of us, and white folks be like, I don't see what the problem is. Shout out to a shot of Hitura doing her column in Cuba. Keep it up. Well, so, yeah, it was the it was the crew of JetBlue who selected her, so I think they should have left it up. Um, white folks, I just want to make a blanket statement to all white folks: let black people determine what kind of black history we want. That is all. All right. So, Jaden Smith, his foundation, and a church teaming up to deliver some much-needed help to Flint, Michigan. Now, Jaden's company, Just Goods, which is a water company. And First Trinity Missionary Baptist Church announced that they're going to bring a mobile water filtration system to Flint called the Water Box. And they're going to start filtering out the water in Flint. Jaden Smith has a foundation. That'd be the child of Will Smith. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Good so, you know, I, I wanted to actually, I'm, there was a bunch of other people who, who were also helping in that venture. DJ Jazzy Jeff, Jada Pinkett. Um, Lionel oh, okay. Reggie, Queen Latifah, Calvin Harris They're all helping with him doing that And Good. Will Smith has pretty much said you know, the, By the way, to date they distribute over 5 million bottles of water to residents And the bottle donations are on the de- decline But Just Water was found in 2015 by Jaden and Will Smith And it's eco-friendly bottled watering co- company uh, Package of entire, entirely renewable resources um, including plastic derived from sugarcane, and it's actually up this way. It's about two my um, about two hours from me is where that water is bottled. But shout out to them for for trying to make things better in the world. Now, Israel's attorney general intends to indict their prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu 
So they're saying the Good. police has re- recommended that he's indicted for three different cases, uh, um, bribery, breach of trust, and fraud. So I just want to say this to the Attorney General here in the United States. I think you can make the same case against that fool, that, um, that dotard. <laughs> I, just, I just want to put that out there. Uh, all right. So New England, uh, paid, uh, New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft has pled not guilty to his two misdemeanors counts of soliciting prostitution. The 77-year-old billionaire requested a non-jury trial, and his court date is March 27. So you know what's going to happen with the non-jury trial, right? Of course. The judge is going to be like, he's 77. We got him on film, but he didn't mean to. You know, they're going to let that fool off. Just want to say that for the record. All right. Vinyl and CD sales are making record labels more money than digital downloads. I want to say that again. Vinyl and CD sales are making the labels more money. So in 2018, revenue from the recording music in the United States grew 12% to $9.8 billion at estimate retail value. Um, But the download purchases just make up 11% of the revenue. So there you go. Record sales are coming back. Record sales. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, an ex- Jerome, Jerome, can I say something? Jerome, Jerome, yes. can I please? Yes. Go ahead. So my daughter has requested in Bobby's will that she get his record collection. Yep. Seriously. She don't care about the houses, nothing. She wants his vinyl 45 album record collection. He's got everything you can pick up. And that's all that child asked for in the wheel. Anyway, continue. Hey, you know, it's an old San Francisco um, episode that says, I want my daddy's records. Go look it up. But <laughs> that's all I want. Blind Melon Jelly. Hey, there you go. I want my daddy's records. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just watched that the other day. That's a wow. good one, <laughs> Now, ex-Las Vegas illusionist, he fainted because he was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison for having 9,000 images and videos of very, very young boys was found on his computer. No so I just want to say this. If you're a magician and you can't get out of this, then technically you were a fraud anyway. So um, he fainted in court. I'm amazed by the fact that he wanted to keep 9,000 images and think that that's okay. Or one image, anyway. But he was ordered to pay $500,000 fine and um, and sentenced to jail for 20 years. This is in Vegas. I guess wow. he figured if Paris Hilton and, and what's that dude, Charlie Sheen, doesn't go to jail, that he probably mm-hmm. will have his privilege as well. Now, also, I want to say, um, a North Korean... Oh, no, actually... A white Detroit police officer is fired for shouting by Felicia as he filmed a black woman walking from her home um, doing a traffic stop. It was captured on on video, and it said celebrating Black History Month and what black girl magic looks like as he confiscated her car and she had to walk home. He got fired. Now, you can't convict white police officers for killing nobody, but at least they're, they're like, okay, this... We can't get sued for firing him over this. That's all they're looking for is their money. All right. Mm. Uh, all right. Jay, you good? Uh, okay. give, give me one more. Give me one more, Jerome. Okay, one I thought you were trying to get in here. Okay, now, if Kathleen was here, I would play black or white with her, but we know where this is going. An unemployed millennial, <laughs> 30 years old, is arrested for throwing a phone at her mother's head because she would 
not drive her to yoga class. Ali Albert was arrested. She's unemployed and has been charged with a second degree assault (laughs) after throwing a house phone at her mother's head in Potomac, Maryland. Hey man, my mother gave me a right and left cross, man. It'd have been over. Listen, there, listen, they would have they would have knocked on the door for a murder rap if I threw something at my mama. They'd be like, we're gonna arrest her. <laughs> wouldn't have found really? out about it. I mean, wow. it wouldn't have been it wouldn't yeah. have been any police calls. Exactly. Because I would have beat that child down and dared that child to call the police. Okay. That's right. You know. Hey, hey, it's in, always in the, different. In the spirit of um, what's the movie with um, where Angela Banton is burning up the car and sitting outside smoking a cigarette, waiting for the police to come? <laughs> in that spirit. Oh, uh, Stella got a groove back. Stella got yeah, a groove back. No, waiting, waiting to exhale. <laughs> waiting to exhale. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Don't, don't pick him up. Smoke a cigarette. Oh, man. That's some good stuff there. That's some good stuff right there. You know, it's funny you say that. I remember telling the story. I remember I went to see some of my white friends. I stayed with them for the weekend. And, uh, and, our, and Jimmy told his dad to go somewhere and, uh, you know, do something. And I told my mother, my mother was like, Woo, thank God, because you know you'd have been dead. And I said, Yep, I know. I was shocked <laughs> that. You oh man I can't use the words it probably would have made her mad that, that the house of somebody who would say that yeah <laughs> my mother was like woo wee I was like woo I thought I saw a ghost when I heard that alright it's time for final <laughs> thoughts alright Vanessa made better for the McAnally final thoughts final thought is call me get the testify Again, somebody else is going to get to testify, and whoever testifies, me and Jay is going to spend the entire time looking at it, so y'all can bet we're going to have the lowdown. And I am only waiting to see Weinstein or whatever that man's name is, who was Trump's daddy's financial advisor, who knows where all the skeletons are buried. I want to see him testify. And I wish everybody a good week. I'm almost at church. I pray for you guys, and I appreciate being on the show. Y'all have a good week. God love bless you. you. Thank you so much. Hey, love you. Oh, <laughs> All right. Johnny D, man, final thoughts. You know, today has been a, a somewhat of a history lesson. We done talked about Motown and Jerome took us back to, to Fred Sanford, and, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm going to go here, and, and, and it's almost like Fox in the serious side show. If, if, if you think about the two of the best shows I think ever came on television, All in the Family and Fred Sanford, and two people with like minds but different skin colors, but for those uh, millennials and, you know, these Gen Ys, if you really want to see some good TV and really want to know how people think, go and look at those there. So I, I appreciate y'all bringing back those, those old spirits and old thoughts. But, again, have a blessed week, and I appreciate, again, the opportunity to have a voice, and thank you all. Hey, man, you know, brother, appreciate you. Oh, God, stop it. All right, Jerome is free, man. Final thoughts, Mr. Jerome is free. I'm sorry. Final thoughts, All right, sir. yeah. Since I since I missed the Michael Cohen stuff earlier in the show, I just want to say this: that um, being that he's saying things that people don't like um, doesn't make him a bad uh, um, a bad 
person. He was already a bad person. But that doesn't mean that what he says is not true because you don't like him. Some of the things that he was saying, and he was dropping names, and like I said, much respect to AOC because people want to hate her, but she is sharp yep. and she's smart. So the way that she and another freshman congressperson grilled him or, or got him to implicate the, um, the um, financial mm-hmm. guy for Trump gives him the ability to get his tax records. And that was because AOC brought that up and Michael Cohen named names. So if from here on, let history show that it was um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez that actually started the ball rolling on getting his tax returns. They didn't well, no, that. no, 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 Jerome, I have to correct you. Because girl, let him finish, Jerome. Let him finish, girl. It gets time, sweetie. We got to go. Turned in, yeah, but he turned in 2015 and 16 tax records. Go in there. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, 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 they were. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. we'll talk about it. We got to go. We got to go. Yeah, right, but, but the done? thing is that she started the ball rolling to get the back of all of them. Because once they look at them, they can put all of them. So you have to bring that up in the middle of a hearing to get justification to go look at him. So if you don't do that officially, you can't just go look at him. He can give out what he wants to, but now the department gets to go in there and pull him off. So this is going to be interesting, um, that, that line of questioning. And all the other seasoned Democrats never did that. Nancy Pelosi is not thinking about doing that. These guys on the freshman side are actually laying it to them. So just want to give a shout-out to them and say – you know, hey, when next time we talk about this, I'll go into depth on it. But everybody have a good week. Shout out, hey, Vanessa, Mariana, all of my people. Just want to say hey. Everybody have a good week. All right. All right. And when the music uh, goes louder, that means we are now in overtime. God, I didn't get you to say bye to the live audience, but that's okay. All right, Mr. Elias, man, final thoughts. Well, I got a couple things, Jay. First and foremost, when Johnny D brought up Sanford and Son, rest in peace to Rollo. He passed away this week. Um, you sure did. Also, uh, you know, uh, you know, some folks, the, the gentleman that got killed in, in Sacramento, get out and vote. Get out and vote because if you don't vote, you don't have a voice. And you can put people in office who you want to put in the office that 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 you want to see and they can make the uh, the law. So get out and vote. Your local elections are just as important as your national election. And thirdly. I'd just like to read what Vogelbright said in the uh, chat room. He says, uh, Chicago is a war zone. It says, for him, shoot first, and as a juror, he would back that up. Well, Vogelbright, I hope it's never one of your relatives that they shoot first with, and you have to sit there and, and, and deal with what's coming down the pipe. Because I've learned something about white folks. If, if it's not you and it doesn't concern you, you don't give a damn. That's all right. Uh, my final thoughts here real quick. Uh, a couple of uh, our regulars, I want to go ahead and uh, read their uh, final thoughts because, you know, obviously when they're here, you want to make sure you do it. All right, Pastor Stephen Jones said, look, I love the YTP segments. Do more. Got your pastor. Marietta Music says, Jay, please, please, please tell Jerome thank you for his very kind words at the end of last week's show. You need to post my photos on your Instagram page. Uh, well, I just told Jerome, and no, I'm not posting your photos, Mariana Music, on my, yes, I am. Go ahead and forward to this. Hey, girl. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you two, boy. You, you, you two are out of control. I'm both of you. My bad. 
<laughs> All right, I'll post it, Marianne. Send it to me. I'll post it on the J. Ryle Show Instagram page. All right, on that note, Mr. LES, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff in overtime, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. Wow, what a show, folks. It's been a pleasure to serve you. So for Vanessa Mae Belly from the Macanelli, Johnny D, Mr. Jerome Esprit, Mr. Elias, I'm Jay Ross saying have a great work week. And remember, if it's Sunday and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network.